You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Good morning. Let's try that one more time. He is risen. Hey, there we go. I, I love it. I grew up in an old country church, and that was every Sunday. That was us. That was, that was the loudest some of those old church ladies would get. You know, when, on Easter, when the pastor would say, he is risen. I, I was testing you. I was testing you. You got it. You, you passed. So it is, it is so much fun to celebrate this morning, isn't it? It's so much fun to, to come and be here this morning and to worship together and to remember. Not If you were here Friday night, we had an awesome Good Friday service. It was so much fun just to be introspective and just uh, talk about what, what it meant, what the crucifixion meant. But, but praise God, the story didn't end with Friday, right? Amen? Praise God, the story didn't end with Friday, that Sunday was coming. And this morning, as we, as we think about Easter, and as we think about the implications of Easter, and as we think about the implications of the resurrection of Jesus, we, we can come and we can worship and we can celebrate, but oftentimes, if you're anything like me, when we're talking about the resurrection... When we're talking about Jesus raised from the dead, when we're talking about what does it mean to be a Christian, which being a Christian means that we want to be little Christ, right? Christian, that term used to be a derogatory term. Did you know that? In Acts, the first time that people were called Christians, it was a derogatory term. It was almost like in my imagination, I have an overactive imagination for those of you who didn't know that, but in my overactive imagination, I think people were like, oh, you're just a a Christian. And it's like, oh, Yes, I am. That, I, I was trying to think of a way to, to define myself, and you just did it perfectly. Thank you. you know, and they went out from that place calling themselves Christians. It was like, like the people trying to berate them were like, oh, darn it. I gave them a, you know, I gave them a good title. But when, it, when we talk about the implications of, of what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, Oftentimes, especially in light of resurrection, in light of Easter, we, if you're anything like me, I think we can think of, of being a Christian, and it's like, it's kind of the way I think about um, retirement. You know, I'm, I'm getting older, I have to do adult things now, you know, and like, like putting money, money away for retirement, that's a good thing, right? Can we all agree that that's probably a good thing? I throw probably in there. Some of you are clapping, Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Retirement funds, those are, those are good things. It's a good thing to, to, to prepare and plan. But you know what? Oftentimes, I get this mindset that's like, retirement's great. It's great to put money away. But you know what? The weather's getting really nice right now, and I really need a new battery for my motorcycle, right? It's like, it's good to put money away for someday, but, but, but I'm focused on this day. And this day is supposed to be 80, right? Like, I'm talking about this day, right? Nobody burst my bubble if it's actually not supposed to be 80 degrees today. But, like, this day is supposed to be 80, and this day I want to ride my motorcycle. So while it's good to think about that day, I'm thinking about this day. And oftentimes we live, we, we do, we live in a culture of instant gratification, don't we? I mean, think about it. Yeah, we've, we are conditioned for instant gratification, I mean, think about, think about uh, Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you order something, and you are mad if it's not here in two days. Yeah, right? If it's like a week, psh, whatever, right? Two-day free shipping, that's, my, that's, what I'm, that's the game I'm playing, right? And if anything less than that, I don't want it. Or, or we, we don't, like, 
we don't wait for movies to come out on DVD anymore. If it's like a really good movie, it's like you don't wait for it to come out on DVD anymore. You, 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 live, you, you stream it. You don't live stream it. You stream it, right? You, you stream it. And we don't, we don't wait for, like, even if you do buy a DVD, they give you options now. You can, you can play it on any device, right? So you don't have to wait till you get home. Like, if you're out hiking somewhere in the mountains and you're like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch the new Spider-Man movie because I'm out in the mountains. What am I going to do, Right? I'm not going to enjoy creation. I want to watch my movie, and I don't want to wait till I get home. I want to do it now, and I want to do it on any device that I have with me because obviously I have all these devices as I'm camping. And, and we're instant gratification. I don't want to wait for a week to watch the next show in this season. What do I do? I wait until I can binge watch it, Right? And then I just watch and watch and watch until my eyes rot out, and, and you know, that's, that's what we do. But we are, we are conditioned for this, for this immediate pleasure, for this, this immediate, you know, like, I, I want it now. Instant gratification. And oftentimes when we come together in, in church, especially in, in church in our culture, which is conditioning us in this way, oftentimes I think that we can start to think about church and the messages that we hear as, you know, it's like that's good for that day, but I'm, I'm in this day. That's good for that day. It seems like we're preaching uh, an extreme version of delayed gratification. Where, where oftentimes we think, okay, that day, yes, that, that day I want to get right with God. I hear people say that before. I, I wanna, I'll get right with God someday. I'll get right with God when I have kids because, you know, my kids, they'll need to get right with God. So, you know, but not me, not, not right now. Or, or I'll get right with God when, when I'm on an airplane and the turbulence is really bad, Right? And I'm hugging my knees, and I'm saying, oh, God, if you just get me out of this, I promise I'll go to church more. I promise, that, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Like, we'll get right with God when, like, when I'm on my deathbed. I'll get right with God when it matters for that day. But right now I'm in this day, and in this day, I don't, I don't know if it has any implications, this whole idea of resurrection, this whole, whole idea of Christianity. It seems like it all matters for that day. And yet, while, while I tell you one thing, like, while the, the hope that we have in Jesus, yes, it speaks to that day. Guys, this morning, I'm here to tell you that not only does it speak to that day, but it speaks to this day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ not only gives us hope for someday, but it, get, but it gives us hope for, for this day right here and now. Not only does it give hope for, the, for those who are dead and dying, but it gives hope for those who are living. And I'm going to go out on a limb and make a wild just assumption and say that probably if you're here this morning and you hear my voice, my guess is that you are alive. No weekend at Bernie scenarios going on here this morning. I know that ages me. That's the only thing I can think of, right? If you're like weekend at Bernie's, just ask somebody who's older. I don't know. But uh, like, like you are living and so, and so what I'm telling you this morning is that the crucifixion and the resurrection has implications and it ho- has hope for you right now, right here this morning in your life. Amen? Let's, let's read. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and read with me. If you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. But John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 17. John chapter 11, 17, it says this. Now when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Let's just stop there. Now, some of you, if you've been in church very long, you know the story. You know what's happening here. This is, this is the death of Lazarus. And spoiler alert, this is also the story of, of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. And you're like, oh, you ruined the end of the story. Well, you can, you can still read it. It's still good. But as we think about this and as we think about the implications, I want to I just give you a little bit of context of, of why, we're, why we're looking at this passage to talk about this morning. And, and I think in order to do that, we need to understand the context of what's happening. You see, Jesus shows up to this, to this funeral. Jesus comes walking up, and it says that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. It says that there had been the people that came from, from Jerusalem, they came to console Mary and Martha, who were friends of Jesus. Because of the death of their brother Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus. Not only that, but later, earlier on in the passage, it says he was the one that Jesus loved. Jesus loved these people. He loved them. He had compassion for them. And yet he comes walking up into this, into this funeral setting. Have you ever been in that situation where you walk into a place and it's like, like you're kind of joyful coming into a situation where it's like, oh, I, I just walked in on something here. And this is heavy here. That's what, we, that's what we're walking in on. There are questions. If you've ever been in a funeral, you know, especially a funeral for, for somebody who died before their time. We are walking into a situation where there are hopes that are unrealized. We're walking into a situation where plans that, that we had, plans that it's like, oh, we're going to go here and we're going to do this and this is how we're going to live out the rest of our life. All those plans, now they will be un, unlived. They will be unmet. And yet even though Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus, the question that come up, came up, and we're going to see this in just a few, few moments, the question was, where is God in the midst of this? Where is, where is Jesus in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this questions, in the, in the midst of this death, in the, met, in the midst of the, the loss of hope and all these different things? Where is Jesus? Where is God here? Because it feels like he's being silent. And not only, guys, not only was that the, the context, the immediate context of this household, of, this, of these people that we read about, but there was a, there was a greater cultural context that I, I want to explain to you for just a few moments. Because not only was that where Mary and Martha lived in this moment, of all these questions, of, of this pain, of this, this loss of hope, all these different things, but, but there was a greater cultural context that, that Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus and all these people lived within. See, the cultural context of the Jewish people during this time, these were people that were supposed to be blessed by God. Right? If you read, we're going through Genesis here at, here at Anthem Church. And we, we're reading about Abraham, and we're reading about how God's going to bless Abraham, and he's going to be a blessing, and God's going to bless the Jewish people, and they're going to bless all the peoples of the earth. And you see, what, what we see here is that these were the people that God was supposed to bless. These were the people that were supposed to show everybody else what it looked like to flourish under a God who saves, under a God who, who protects, under a God who, who makes the, right, the wrong things right, that's what they're supposed to be living out. And yet, and yet these people have been living in bondage for hundreds of years, wondering 
When, when is this going to end? I, I feel so beaten down by this thing. When is it going to end? For uh, about 722 B.C., a group of people called the Assyrians came in and attacked the Israelites, attacked the Jewish people, and carried off a whole bunch of them. And from that point on, 722 B.C., that's 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. 700 years, they started to be oppressed by foreign occupation, by foreign occupiers, by, by people who were not Jewish. And it seems as though God is silent in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their suffering. And yet, there's still promises. There's still promises like Malachi. Uh, I love Malachi chapter 4. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament right before, we, right before we get into the New Testament. And Malachi, the prophet, says this. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. That's an incredible promise. There's, there's so much, there's so many word pictures in there. I mean, we could spend so much time digging into that. We won't, though, this morning. But the, the reality is what we see there is that is a promise from God to his people, saying it won't always be like this. You won't always be under this bondage and sin and all these different things. I'm sending someone who's going to take care of you. But the problem is that was 400 years before this account that we're, right, that we're reading about right here, 400 years 400 years, the people of God wait and suffer and question and mourn. And oftentimes, I think that's where we find ourselves too. When I talk about hope for that day as opposed to hope for this day, oftentimes I think we don't see that as relevant because I've got problems today. I feel bound today. I feel oppressed today. And that's great that God's going to save me someday. But what about this day? Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can, can you hear the pain? Let's, let's not move on too fast. Because Martha doesn't just gloss over the pain that she feels in this moment. Let me read that again. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The hope, the, the faith. Verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I, I love this passage. I love the fact that Martha, she doesn't just gloss over her pain. She addresses it. She identifies it. She, she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, 
Jesus, I don't understand why I had to go through these things. Jesus, I don't understand why my brother is dead. I don't understand why, why all these situations are happening. I don't understand why my life, why all these hopes, why all these dreams, why, why all these plans have been crushed and crashed. And I don't understand these tears that keep coming out of my eyes. I don't understand all of these different things. I love that Martha doesn't gloss over the pain that she feels in the moment. And, and also, I love the fact that Jesus, he doesn't either. Jesus just, he doesn't just tell her like, now, Martha, <laughs> where's your hope, Martha? Right? He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't, he doesn't try to play it away. We see, we see in just a little bit, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus feels the pain in the moment. Jesus knows. Todd, I think it was last week, Todd preached. It's so incredible. And again, going through Genesis, he said, you know, God meets us where we are, not where we're supposed to be. That is beautiful, isn't it? God meets us where we are. God meets us in the pain of the moment. God meets us, God meets us in those, those dashed dreams. God meets us in those places. But he doesn't leave us there. God meets us there, and, and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, he says Martha, like your, your brother will rise again. And I, I love her response to, to, this, to these words because I believe that what she's saying is this kind of like, um, like a head knowledge. Like this cerebral, like, I know, I, I, yeah, I understand. I should believe the right things. We should ourselves a lot, don't we? I should believe the right things, but man, I cr feel crushed right now. I should believe this, but man, here's what's going on right now. And, and he, she says, I know, I know, he'll rise again. He ha she has this, this cerebral understanding, that these end time theology, all this stuff. She's like, yeah, I know. And he says, no, no, you don't, Martha. You don't. Because, yes, praise God that, that you have hope in that day. But I, I am here, and I bring hope for this day. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the place where death goes to die. I am the place where chains are broken. I am the one who sets the captives free. That, that's who I am, and I am here right now. I know you. I see your pain. I am where death goes to die. It was, it was re reminding me we had our men's, uh, men's event here just recently, and one of the things we did at the men's event, which was super fun, um, we, we had this. Stan came up with it because he's really good at it, so he's like, let's showcase my talents, but... I don't think anybody beat him either. But uh, we, we had this, like, log thing that was about, I don't know, like, is that a foot? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. And it was about a foot wide and, I don't know, like 10, 8 foot long. I'm not very good with details. Um, and so we'd, we'd get two guys, one on each end, and, and you'd say, go, and the first one to get pushed off wins. That's what you do at a men's event, I guess. You know, you just, just try and show how strong you are. Um, I didn't lose either. I lost once. Just anyway, that's a side... <laughs> Side, side to note, but, but it, was, it was so funny. Where's Sam? Sam was up here. Sam, where you at? Yeah, Sam, can you stand up for me? You don't have to come up here. Sam, where's Brock at? Okay, you see Brock back there? So Sam and Brock got teamed up together. Brock's holding his little baby. He doesn't look quite as scary with his, with his baby in his arm. But Brock, Brock and Sam, they were teamed up together, and, and Sam, it was just like waves crashing against a rock. 
Like, not, not, I mean, Sam's pretty tough, right? I wouldn't want to go up against Sam. But it was like every time he'd just be like, boom, and just stop. <laughs> and then the last time, I was, I was over doing something else. And the, the last time, though, Sam's like, all right, this time I'm going to get him. So what he does is he decides to jump at Brock. And I'm, I'm over on this side of the room. It's over there. All I hear is, oh, and I look over just to see Sam going like this. <laughs> Brock, Brock caught him in midair and just as gingerly as possible, <laughs> boom. <just. laughs> in that moment, I was like, oh, man, like it, it doesn't matter what Sam's going to do. He's going up against Brock. Brock, Brock is the place where Sam goes to stop. Like, like boom. <laughs> See, and, and at the same time, I, I think that's a, it's a word picture. Like, it's a picture for me when I think about the fact that what is Jesus saying in this moment? He's saying, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am right here. I am the resurrection. I bring back from the dead those who are dead. Your brother, Lazarus, he needs hope right now. He needs help in his situation because he is dead. He's not just sick. He's dead. He needs, he needs somebody in that moment. But, but Martha, I'm not only the God who brings hope to those who are dead and dying. I'm the God who brings hope and help to those who are living. I am the place where death goes to die. I am the place where the hopeless find hope, where the helpless find help. That's me right now. And he says, he says do, you, do you believe this? Because I, I believe that when, when we begin to understand that this is who Jesus is, we begin to see Jesus differently. We begin to see the implications for our lives differently. Oftentimes, again, we, we want Jesus for those moments where it's really bad. Like, like a, a friend of mine back in high school I wouldn't say a friend, but this guy back in high school uh, on our basketball team, super mouthy kid, super mouthy, like really mouthy. Um, yeah, really mouthy. And just, just, I mean, good at basketball, though, but really mouthy. And one, one practice I remember, he just, he just mouthed off one too many times to our coach. And the coach was just like, all right, you're gone. Go. He's like, well, fine, whatever. I don't need this team. You know, like one of those guys. And he left, and we were all like, oh, finally. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a Christian back then, didn't have a very godly response. I was just like, finally, that guy's gone. Guess who comes back the next day? Yeah. But not only him, but his mom. <laughs> right? His mom came back, and, and it was like, and we were all just like, oh, you know, like, coach is going to get it. And she, like, she had this talk with coach, and guess who was back on the team that very afternoon? Yeah, him. But I guarantee, like, it, it was great to have his mom there for when he really needed her, but I guarantee he didn't want his mom there on his date Saturday night. Oftentimes, that's the way we see Jesus, don't we? We see his resurrection. We, we want somebody to rescue us so that we don't have to go to hell. We want somebody to, to swoop in when, when it's really necessary. But Jesus is saying, I am the life. Oftentimes, we, we, we try and find so many different ways to, to get life, don't we? We try and find so many different ways to, to feel alive. We do, it, it takes us, oftentimes, it takes us to some dark places. 
And yet Jesus is saying, that's me right now for your life. Not only, not only do I, my presence here, not only does that answer the question of where will you go when you die, but it answers the question, how will you live when you live? She, she goes on. She's asked this question. It says, do you believe this? Jesus says, do you believe this? Not do you have a correct theology about what happens when you die. Not can you recite the things that you should believe and that you should know. But he says, do you believe this? Do you believe who I am? Do you believe that all of these things? This is, this is the crux of the question. And look at her answer in, in verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She says, yes, Lord. That word Lord, it, it literally means to ascribe worth and value. It means to, to, to give somebody a place of authority over you. I believe in this moment, Martha, we see Martha going from just a fangirl of Jesus to being surrendered to Jesus. She goes from just, just liking Jesus a whole lot to Jesus, not, not just kind of helping her figure out where she's going to go, not just informing her life, but Jesus being in charge of her life. It's not Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus, has, Jesus takes the wheel. I mean, that just popped into my head, right? Like, it, that's where she goes. We see her in this moment. She says, yes, Lord, you are my Lord. Not only do I, do I need you and do I want you on that day, but I want you on this day and every other day afterwards. You are my Lord. You have control. All my hopes, all my plans, all my future, it's in you. You, Lord, you are the Christ. That word Christ, it, it means anointed one. It means chosen one. It means the one who is sent. She's, she is saying that promise Way back in the Old Testament, she's saying, you are the fulfillment of that. You are my life. You are my resurrection. She says, you are the son of God who is coming into the world. She's saying, I can have hope in this life right now because you are here. Because you are alive. Because there are implications that comes from that. And you are the son of God. You are the one 400 years we've been waiting for. 700 years we've been waiting for. In the midst of my bondage, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my suffering, you are the one I can turn to and find freedom and healing and help and hope. She says, yes, I believe. And this is what we celebrate today. Amen. This is what we celebrate today, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that because Jesus Christ came into the world, we have hope in this world, in this life. John 3.16, one of the most familiar passages, probably, I mean, if you've been in church at all, you probably know this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I love Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. The prophet says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. He took our place. That's what we talked about Friday night. And yet Paul, 
goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. What is Paul saying there? He's saying what Isaiah said, that happened. Jesus was crucified on your behalf, on my behalf. He took my place, and yet he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, and he showed himself to a lot of people, over 500 people at one time. And he says most of them are still alive. What's he saying? He's like, hey, you don't believe me? Don't take my word for it. Don't take my word. Take, hey, John, you were there, right? Hey, John, come over here. This guy doesn't believe. Hey, hey, Jack. Hey, Bartholomew, I don't know biblical, biblical names. They're starting to leave my mind. He's like, hey, these, these, we were all there, weren't we? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he's saying, we were there. This isn't just some cerebral understanding of what's going to happen someday. He says we have hope for this day. Paul, I, I believe Paul uses this as a, as, as a direction or as fuel for Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Where he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Guys, this isn't just a verse like the basketball players get tattooed on themselves so that they can win the championship. This is Paul saying because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of his presence in my life right now, whatever situation I'm in, I have hope. Am I, am I in abundance? Great. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> Do I have need? Okay. Not as cool. But still, Jesus is my strength. He's my refuge. He is the hope for this day. Guys, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be made right with God. And that is a beautiful thing. That has implications for the day of judgment when we stand before God and we have to give an account for our own sin. And what's going to be covered over me is paid in full because Jesus took my sin. And yet, you guys, not only does it have implications for that day, for the day of judgment, but it has implications for the day when, <laughs> I mean, even just for this day, for me. Guys, right now, like, I, some, a lot of you know this, my daughter's in the hospital right now. And she's doing good. She's doing better. She started getting a fever this past week. She had a kidney and liver transplant about six years ago. She started getting a fever. We had to take her into the hospital. And every time we do that, there's just, we have to fight against fear. We have to fight against the what ifs. We have to fight against, well, what if the doctors don't know what to do? What if this or what if that? And we have to fight against those fears. And you guys, do you, do you know, like, what, what I want you to understand is that Jesus, the implications of his resurrection means that this day, today, the day that my daughter is in the hospital, I have hope. 
I can trust in a God who, who is living, a God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, a God who is living and active and, and, and bringing me hope. We can have hope in this day, in the day when your job might be, might be taken from you, in the day when, I don't know, you fill in the blank, in the day when your marriage is falling apart, in the day when, when you just don't know what to do because all your hopes and dreams, just like Mary and Martha, all your hopes and dreams seem like they're gone. In that day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings us hope. And that's what we celebrate. Because he is living. He is here. And he, he wants to be your God this morning. Jesus is desiring to speak words of life into your situation. He wants to say, I see you. I know you. I am the hope when you're hopeless. I am life when you are lifeless. And the question is, do you believe that? Because if the answer is yes, then there is life waiting for you where there was only death. The question for you this morning is, do you believe? Let me pray for us. God, we praise you and I thank you for this, the beautiful gift that you are. God, I praise you that, that even on this day, even on this day when, when I still fight against the what-ifs of life, even on this day when fear, God, fear just, it threatens. God, fear threatens to to, to swamp and sink me. God, I praise you that you are alive. God, I praise you that I can have hope, that I can come before you as, as Father God. And God, I praise you that there will be times where I can come before you and you will calm the storm in my life. And God, I also praise you that there are times where I come before you and even though the storm rages on, you just hold me. You hold me as a loving father. God, I pray that if there are people in here this morning who don't know the hope that we talk about, who don't understand the implications of Easter, God, please speak to them this morning. Whatever situation they may be going through, whatever trials their life might bring. God, speak. We know that you are here. We know that you are not in a tomb somewhere. You are here. We love you, God. You are great and powerful. It's in your name.